Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Growth Spurt, the best podcast on the internet about anything and everything, anything from public policy all the way to cellular physiology. So on this week's episode, Harsha wasn't able to make it, so it's just me. But that's completely okay, because today I'm joined by UC San Diego PhD student and fellow podcaster Amanda Wacker. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Amanda. Um, Thank so, you. Amanda... Anything for a fellow podcaster, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So your research is pretty cool. Um, alongside Dr. Paul of Kasuri, uh, uh, who was on our episode uh, last week, actually, um, you guys use DNA origami as a, t excuse me, as a tool to study how uh, DNA interacting molecules work. So we thought that was pretty interesting, especially because it's pretty cutting edge in the field of uh, nanotechnology. So if you could maybe talk a little bit about your background um, and how you became a PhD student at UC San Diego. Yeah, so this is not my field at like training at all. Mm -hmm. I, in undergrad, did cardiac biology. <laughs> uh, no physics background, no biophysics background, no molecule background. I did like protein. Like if you knocked out a protein, what would happen to a cell? Um, and then I came to my PhD program and my PhD program allows you to rotate before you choose a lab. So I was just trying a bunch of new stuff and, you know, I heard about DNA origami before in a nanotechnology class that I took in undergrad and I was like, whoa, this is so cool. You really don't run into people who do DNA origami a lot. So I'm like, of course I have to try it. Um, and I tried it and I thought Palav, uh, my PI, Palav Kasuri, who was just on the show. Yeah. I thought he was great. And I thought he would be a great mentor for me. And I was like, okay, don't know math, don't know physics. Is that okay? And he said, yeah. So I'm here, I'm learning. It's a big learning curve, but you know, why, why not learn something when I'm in school for five years? Like, this is the time to yeah. do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Harsha and I, we were talking about it yesterday with Dr. Kosuri. Um, we were talking about how like, it's really important to sort of pursue your passions regardless of whether you like you're really smart or like really efficient uh, or really knowledgeable in that like certain area um and so dr Kusuri was talking about how like at least for his students if they're really passionate or interested about like a specific thing like he's definitely going to support those types of students and that's something that we advocate a lot on our podcast um like not everyone has to solve cancer or find the cure to like the mm -hmm. next big disease even if it's like some sort of research that's like really niche uh, we always think that it's a really good idea to go out there and just test the waters because you really never know what you're going to find. Yeah, um, and I think for me, I don't have this big, like, I need to find the cure to cancer. I'm like, mm -hmm. I just really like science and I like the process of doing research. And if, you know, I'm like, wait, actually, this question's kind of cool and I can tinker around with how are we going to figure it out? Like, mm -hmm. that makes me so happy. So like, I think it's like a great, a great philosophy mm -hmm. to have. Yeah, especially in our community over here. Um, we're in Plano, Texas right now. Um, mm -hmm. There's like a lot of students, especially high school students, that are really interested in conducting research, but then they sort of use like these really complex topics and like ideas as sort of like, um, I guess like a reason not to delve into science. They're like, oh, mm -hmm. this is too hard for me. Um, I'm not gonna go into this specific area. And so I just wanted to ask you like, as a PhD student right now, sort of like becoming comfortable with your area of research, um, what sort of tips or pieces of advice do you have to sort of like tackling um, really complex ideas or like topics? 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to take your time. Mm. You, you aren't going to learn a year of physics on one night or one week, you know, like that's my biggest thing right now is like being okay with, okay, I don't know exactly the math that goes into this, but I can learn and I can go watch YouTube videos and practice and then come back and try again and see if I understand it a little bit more today than I did, you know, a month ago. Um, and I think practice, try to, I, I learn best from watching YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you are a person that likes textbooks or wants to go sit in on lectures for some topic that like you're interested in, there's a lot of lectures also on YouTube. Um, especially if you're a high school student, you know, you can't just like walk into some college class. That's not always a, a thing you can do. Um, so that would be my recommendation and don't be scared of feeling like you don't know what you're doing. I think that is a big, that fear of like feeling dumb or feeling like, you know, like if you knew everything already, you would already have a duty. You would always, you'd already be at the next level. So like part of getting to that point is going through this process of learning mm -hmm. and like you can't learn something you already know. So like the fact that you are able to be like, oh, I don't know what this is. I can be able to learn and grow from this. Like that's a big deal. So I would take that as a win. Yeah, absolutely. Like. I think for a lot of kids, at least um, over here, uh, there's a lot of people that talk about sort of like the expectations that whether it's like their parents or like their peers, mm -hmm. um, those, those sorts of like expectations that they set for themselves. And then a lot, and a lot of the time, like, uh, or at least personally, I sort of feel like it's not really healthy in the sense that like, not everyone has to become like a really big doctor or something like that. Like even becoming a teacher or like a science teacher and teaching like courses or classes about things that you're really passionate about, that's equally um, as like as big because like, I guess teachers, they pretty much create like the next generation. So um, I think sort of like, how do you think people should, or like if you know anyone that's sort of like navigated through these different types of expectations? Mm -hmm. I think the thing is everyone is important. Like you were saying, like, even if I'm not a professor at Harvard, Yale, whatever, like mm -hmm. the fact that I am still able to connect with students and like maybe change someone's life. Like I can name like the three professors from my high school that that made a difference in, in how I pursued the rest of my my life, basically. Right. So like I don't have to have a lot of money. I don't have to have a lot of clout. Like if I'm mm -hmm. doing something that I enjoy and I think is important, like I'm living my life for me. So if I'm receiving happiness from what I do every day, like who else do I have to report to? Like my parents aren't going to work every day for me. Like they're doing their own thing. I'm doing my own thing. As long as I feel like, okay, yeah, I'm doing a good job. I feel like I'm fulfilled in what I'm doing. Like mm -hmm. that's your business. And if you want to go be an artist and do whatever makes you happy, like you can go do that. And that's, that's like for you, it's your life. You know, that kind yeah. of, I think that's hard too. like, I say that now as like someone who's in a STEM field and like, I don't know, my, my mom, you know, wanted me to be a doctor, which I think my mom's an immigrant. A lot of immigrant mothers, you know, are like, oh, you have <laughs> yeah. to go to Harvard. You have to be a medical doctor. And then I was talking to her one day and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be a pediatrician. And she looked at me and she said, you're settling. That's not what you actually want to do. And I was like, okay, well, why didn't you tell me this a while ago? You know, like, why didn't you say that it was okay for me not to do what I thought you wanted from me? Mm -hmm. um, so I think once you break past that, you kind of free yourself to do what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just curious, what's like your next step after your PhD at UC San Diego? Do you yeah, want to become okay. a professor? 
is it is it okay to say i don't know okay here's the thing i i came into grad school i've been here for a year and i came in and i was like i want to be an astronaut i want to do science i want to do science on the international space station i think that'll be so cool i love cell biology and it'd be cool to do cell biology in space and now here i am i no longer really do cell biology i do (laughs) biophysics so it's like i had my my path like, I was like, this is where I'm going. And then I was like, wait, there's this door. And I don't really know where this door is going to take me. And, like, would love to work at NASA. Like, I think that'd be so fun, you know. But if I continue down this path and I'm like, wait, actually, I really like this microscope thing we're doing. And I want to, you know, specialize in this big microscope facility somewhere else. Like, sure. But I think we kind of limit ourselves by only giving ourselves one option in the future. Like, mm-hmm. My my big thing is I want to do science and like I can do a lot of things in that big umbrella that'll still make me happy. So I don't know. We're going to figure it out. I definitely want to keep doing science, but like where that science is happening, question mark, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's like the case with like a lot of people. Like that's definitely an acceptable answer because I feel like personally for me, um, I wanted to become a paleontologist, like work with dinosaurs <laughs> and stuff. And then, yeah. um, and then I wanted to go into like computational biology and now I'm like really interested into neuroscience. And so those mm-hmm. sort of like path changes, I think they're really important because if anything, it's like a testament to like one's education or like, I guess maybe even like their personality in the sense that like they need to find that motivation to keep on pushing. Um, mm-hmm. Like whether like it's like changing completely or like like a really small change, I think it's really big just like having enough courage to be like, okay, I'm making this jump to like a different career field. Like I know a lot of people too, where um, they'll go to like med school for a little bit. Um, Like a lot of people in my community too, um, they'll go to med school for like a year, year and a half. And then they'll realize I don't really want to be a doctor anymore. And then they'll try and find a different career that they're really passionate about. Um, So what, what's your motivation, I guess, to like keep on pushing and like continuing your research. Um, And yeah. I mean, the best motivation they say comes from inside, right? Like my, my motivation to keep doing research is I'm curious. And if I find something that I'm curious about, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, I really want to dig into this because I've read all these papers and now I just really want to know, like, let's Mm -hmm. figure it out. So I think that's like a big thing. Um, like just for me. And I think that's why they they say it's important to like do follow your passion. Cause if I had to come into work every day for five years doing something I don't like, and I not really interested in like, that would kind of suck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like not everyone has the opportunity or like you're in a position where, okay, I just have to do this research. Like my undergrad, I did a couple of research labs where I'm like, there's like something that I kind of am interested in, but like this wasn't exactly it. Like I never intended on doing cardiac biology. <laughs> like it was just something that fell into my lap. And then you find something about that that you enjoy and then you just roll with it. Mm-hmm. And like that yeah. worked out. But um, I think you just have to, find the motivation that's internal because like someone telling you to come to work every day it's not going to make you want to come to work every day Mm -hmm. could you tell us a bit more about the research that you're currently conducting like i know dr kasuri was talking about um sort of like using dna to form like motors and different types of uh like machinery um is that sort of the thing that you're working on as well yeah so i i also use dna origami and um basically we get a virus DNA and fold it up a bunch and we mm-hmm. make it into this little helicopter blade that'll that'll spin and we attach a DNA strand at the center of the helicopter blade going down and then we put an enzyme at the bottom of that. So it's kind of like a big palm tree 
And then um, the idea is that if you put an enzyme on the DNA strand coming down and it does something to the DNA, it'll also do it to the helicopter blade. And then we can watch the helicopter blade going around and kind of connect the movement back down to the enzyme activity. Um, so he, he just started his lab, I guess in March, it's August now. And, or I joined the lab in March and it's August now, and we're just like getting stuff up off the ground. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm still like trying to get everything together, but we ordered all the little pieces and I have the enzyme we're interested in. And like, I've just been reading and trying to design an experiment that'll like help fill the gap of knowledge that we have. And the, mm -hmm. the cool thing, like you were saying, we are kind of on the cutting edge, like no one else has been able to do what we do because we are in such like a niche little field yeah. with DNA origami and like we single molecule biophysics which sounds scary but it's just like <laughs> the physics of one molecule so like yeah. we're using dna origami to study the physics of one molecule mm -hmm. so it's kind of like we're going to be on the edge of this field trying to push it forward and i think that's where i'm at right now but i like i just wrote my first proposal i wow. am making buffers like i haven't even taken uh, a rotor together yet like we're still trying to get that to work i'm folding one right now actually it mm -hmm. takes three days to come together and it's like it, we'll see tomorrow if it worked but that's where i'm at right now yeah fingers crossed hopefully it works out but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we were joking with dr kasuri last week about how um you could make like you could use dna origami to create like art or something like that like you could draw like a celebrity yeah. space and like, sell that for like a couple million bucks um so i guess like on a more serious note what do you think are like the applications of this sort of technology Right. So really DNA origami is a tool and its applications are only limited by your creativity. Mm. Like you can really do so much with it and you just have to figure out how to get it to do what you want it to do. So a lot of people are doing what, um, like using it as kind of a scaffold to build or pull different molecules together in a specific position because it has like really precise um, like building, you can say this thing is going to be three nanometers away from this other thing. Mm -hmm. And that's important for some people for like, if they're doing polymers or whatever they do, you know, more physics -y stuff. <laughs> um, but some people are also using DNA origami as like a thing that can be like helping to, you know, quench an immune response. Or if you're having a virus infection, they have DNA origami capsules that'll like come attach onto the virus so it can't infect your cells and there's other like there's a bunch of stuff that people have been trying to like apply this thing to and there's like this dna origami arm that if you apply some sort of electrical voltage change it'll swing back and forth and like there's a lot of stuff like that where it's like we figured out how to make it do this thing and now another part of the field is like okay what can we use it for like how do we mm -hmm. find something out about it and well, that's why like where i am right because like He's like, oh, I made this thing. And we're like, okay, how can we use it as a tool to find something out and yeah. like help some field, you know, mm -hmm. understand something a little bit better. Yeah. And that's sort of like, I think why research is so important because like you really don't know where it's going to take you. Like, mm -hmm. I guess like one application might be like targeted drug delivery or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's like some sort of usage in it for like, I don't know, like computer science, maybe like the possibilities are literally endless. And I think that's like really cool. Just because like, and I think this is the same with like a bunch of different fields too. Like whether you're, con you're conducting research in like sociology, like you might find something about like a certain population that like not everyone really knows about. 
I think that's like pretty mm-hmm. neat. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about the podcast that you have with your friends, um, Triple oh, Chits. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the message that you guys are trying to get across is really, really cool. And it's really important as well. I think it's really important, especially for colored people, um, especially women. I think it's really important that their voices are heard and their passions mm-hmm. are realized. And so I think it'd be kind of cool if you could maybe talk about the dynamic that you have with your friends um, on your show. Yes, of course. Okay, so uh, the podcast I have is Triplicates Podcast, and it was started by me and two of my friends, Lenise and Asama, who are also women of color, also first gen in a PhD program. Um, Lenise and I, our parents are immigrants, and Asama had immigrated to America like when she was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just a bunch of people who are kind of trying to navigate academic, higher, you know, education things almost by ourselves. We're, we're learning more and more that there's a bunch of people in our program whose parents are professors or retired from NASA. And it's like, you're pulling up with this background where you can just call your parents and be like, oh, this thing is going on. And they can be like, oh, this is what you need to do. My, my mom doesn't know what is going on here. You know, like I can't call my mom and ask her like, oh, what do you think I should you know, how should I come and talk to my advisor about this problem that I'm having? She's going to be like, I don't know. Just talk to him. You know, like it's like we're coming in with a different understanding of how to navigate and we're coming in with a different understanding of like what it even takes to get through a PhD program. Like, I don't even know what a qualifying exam even is still like what is happening. So what we what we did is we are we came together and we're like, okay, we're going to basically do NES declassified school survival guide. But like for a PhD program and for, you know, people who don't have you know, the same support from their family or their their extended family that you might have if you, you come from a family of academics, right? Mm-hmm. So we talk about, okay, what is it like to do rotations? What is, you know, classes even like? Like, should I be studying a bunch? Like, how are we getting through classes? How are we, like, figuring out what rotations to pick next? And what is first year exam like? What are our options when we're picking an advisor? Like, are we able to pick two advisors? How does that work? And a lot of things, you know, like I said, we don't know. So we bring people onto the show that do know. And then mm-hmm. we, you know, talk to them, have a big conversation, try to ask us the questions that we can think that we would have, like the questions that we would have asked, you know, ask them for everybody that might be listening. And we also talk to people, like we were talking about someone from the, there's a bunch of um, UC graduate student researchers, researchers that are like forming a union and, Um, A lot of the students at different UCs are on rent strike right now. So it's also a way to kind of, you know, talk about real things that happen to graduate students that you, I've never heard of a graduate student union. Like, I don't know, like what even like that entails. And we talk about like that whole process and like, why are people rent striking? And what is it actually like to live on a graduate student stipend? And what do you need to think about when you're trying to move? Like I moved across the country and like, I didn't even know what I was going to be walking into. Like, what did I need to think about when I was starting a PhD program? So we kind of bring all of that together and try to, you know, pass the knowledge forward. So maybe we struggled. You don't have to struggle. And we're trying to help people not struggle and like just bring the knowledge to the people. Yeah, I think that's an awesome idea. Um, so I sort of like, I was kind of curious about how sort of like the dynamic that you were talking about, like in your environment right now, like, how does that sort of compare to, like, previous programs or, like, communities that you've been a part of? Like, um, I guess, like, do, like how's sort of, like, that collaborative environment just, like, in, like, sort of, like, a professional research facility? Like, how does that work? 
Yeah, so I did research as an undergrad, but it's like the expectations of you as a graduate student are completely different. And mm -hmm. like even now, I, I don't really know. And one thing that's kind of cool about the Internet is you can kind of outsource these questions to other people, which is like why I started the podcast. But still, like I'll go on Twitter and be like, like, how do you guys even make a methods thing? Like, how do you guys write protocols? Like, what is going on? Um, so like, I think the environment is changing as like the generations change, but like, there's still a bunch of people here that are super like strict and by the book and like, you need to be here at nine o'clock and leave. Like you can't leave until things are done. And mm -hmm. you know, you need to be wearing button up shirts to work and like all of that kind of changes with who is in the air, like in that specific research. Yeah institution and also like where you're located to like there's a lot of people say like the east coast schools have like a certain attitude and like the west coast schools have like a different attitude and you know there's maybe some schools that are more competitive so they expect you to like do more work or like sacrifice your work-life balance a little bit more but i think here like i'm in southern california people go surfing in the middle of the day <laughs> Like, and that's just something that people do. And they're like, I'm going to do my work, but I'm going to do my work like maybe later on in the day because it's really sunny out and I want to go, yeah. you know, do my thing and come back. And like for some, like for some advisors, that's fine. Some advisors are like, no, you need to be here. And I think that kind of changes in like by a lab, by lab basis. So you just want to pick an advisor that fits your lifestyle, I suppose. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, like for a lot of high schoolers, it's sort of different in the sense that like, everything is kind of like planned out beforehand like you have like yeah. first period math or like second period english or something like that so i think it's going to be pretty interesting for a lot of seniors especially after the whole covid and online school thing um sort of yeah. figuring out how to like manage their time and like go to classes but also like um, have fun and like go surfing um yeah <laughs> i definitely recommend you know work hard but also do things that make you feel like, oh, yeah, I'm enjoying my time here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was sort of curious, like, do you think with the research that you're conducting right now with Dr. Kasuri, mm -hmm. um, I know you were talking about, like, there's still a lot of gaps that you guys are trying to figure out. Do you think that there's sort of like an end goal um, to, to what you guys are doing? Or like, do you even think that there is an end goal? Because I think a big part of research is like sort of like the unexpected. So yeah, what yeah. do you think? Okay, so we have talked about this because I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this one big project and then, I'm sorry, it's like <laughs> loud here. I don't know if you heard that, but um, yeah, we're going to do this one project and then, and then what? Like, you know, like I have to be here for five years. Maybe this project takes like a year or two, right? Mm -hmm. So the end goal is not to be like, we know everything about this enzyme because like that's almost impossible right like we'd have to study a lot like there'd have to be a lot of different types of of research that goes into that um but i think our goal is to we really just want to you know understand this enzyme as best as we can with the tool that we have with our dna origami thing that we're making and then once we have like that first set of experiments if there's anything that's kind of interesting like we can dig into that more and then you know, you just kind of are always pushing forward based on what you just saw. So it's like, it's hard to say like, oh, our, our goal is to just understand this enzyme. Like that's such a big, there's so many things that an enzyme can do. So we just want to figure out like this one little piece of it 
as much, as best as we can and then we'll move on to the next thing and then hopefully all these pieces come together to get a bigger like puzzle like a better mm-hmm. picture of the whole puzzle but there's still always are going to be little pieces that we can you know keep digging into and, and learn more about mm-hmm. yeah i think that's really cool like um sort of the research that i'm conducting right now um at the university of north texas uh we're trying to characterize mm-hmm. like these fungal enzymes um and apply mm-hmm. like sort of like the natural products that they produce to different types of drugs um and a big part of the research that we're sort of doing right now is just trying to learn what people like like people have like we've we've known about fungus for like hundreds of years but we mm-hmm. really don't know anything about them like whether yeah. it's like the, the different types of molecules that they produce or how they work in specific environments um like mm-hmm. we're sort of pretty much in the dark and so i think it's really cool just to be like hey I'm going to go out there and try to like understand this specific thing. And I feel like especially for high schoolers, um like me and Harsha, we both advocate for everyone to get into research because it's a really rewarding experience to sort of be a part of something that's like larger than you in the sense that like mm-hmm. whatever you do, it could contribute to so much. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I think research is pretty cool and all of you guys out there, you guys should definitely get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely recommend. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's mm-hmm. the coolest thing is like no one knows what you know. Like when you're doing an experiment, yeah. that's the first time someone has seen that. And you're like, wow, this thing does this other thing. And I'm literally the only person that knows right now. I have to go like write a paper about it. But it's <laughs> like you're discovering things, even if it's like a, a tiny little thing, like for however, like that one month period, you're the one you're like the only person that knows that this molecule does mm-hmm. this thing. Like, yeah, that's wild. Like, yeah. It's like that piece of information is like your baby. Like, you have to take care of it. Yeah. And sort of, like, prepare it for the outside world. And you're giving it to the world. You're like, congrats, everyone. Look at this thing I discovered. Now you all just get to know about it. Like, that's great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much, Amanda. This has been really helpful for a lot of us. And I'm sure there are listen- listeners learned a lot from your advice. Uh, because I know that I definitely have. Um, so do you have any last words for our audience? Um, I would say believe in yourself. You can do anything. And, you know, if Beyonce can be out here and doing what she does, we can also do what we want to do. That is <laughs> that is what I would like to impart on the children. <laughs> yeah, where we can I we can embody the Beyonce spirit, yeah. you know? That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, that queen spirit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Um Definitely go check out the Triplicates podcast. It's an amazing listen. Uh, But yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, comment on our posts, and share this podcast with your friends. We'll see you guys again next week. Bye.